welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that looks at the inspiration, intention, action, and choices that you can make to bring more joy into your life, into the world, and into other people's lives. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 261 here on Jumpstart Your Joy. This week is part two of the season five finale. Oh my goodness, can you believe we're here? This is the last episode of season five. And as I've done for the past five years, this episode is the top 10 countdown. I love doing this episode so much because it really is fun to be able to go back and revisit some of my very favorite conversations and some of the amazing episodes that were solo shows and spend a little time back in the space of when I was creating them or having those conversations and getting to revisit them to share with you this week. Before we get to the countdown, I first want to say thank you so much. It's amazing to me that this has been five years inching into the sixth year of being a podcaster. And I know I say all the time that it's completely changed my life and it really has. And That's in part because of you. It's been so amazing to have this journey and have an incredible audience just like you be along for the ride. Because of course, without listeners, there is really not much of a podcast. Thank you so much. I will ask for one thing, if you would do this, if you're a loyal listener this week, just as a celebration for finishing up five years, would you please, if you have not left a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, would you do it? I never asked for this, but would you do it this week? If you've already left a rating or review, would you share your favorite episode from this season with a friend? I also wanted to do a couple of other shout outs this week. Um, again, Jennifer Hancock makes amazing masks and she sent along three of just simply the most joyful masks you've ever seen. One of them has tacos. <laughs> One of them has Baby Yoda, and the other one is Star Wars. And I just want to say, if you're looking for a mask that fits like nothing else, please go check her out. Her store is on Etsy, and it's Be Well Face Masks. Thank you, Jen. It really is amazing. I love these masks so much. I also want to say, if you haven't tuned in to the episode on Christy Tending's Tending Your Life podcast. I was in episode 44, which came out this week. Please go take a listen. It was fun to talk to her. She's been on the show so many times. It was fun to be a guest on her show. And if you want to find out more about Jumpstart Your Joy, if you want to find the show notes or links to past episodes, you'll find everything over at the website, which is jumpstartyourjoy.com. And this episode will have some show notes with those links. And you can find it at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash season five finale. Okay, so let's just jump right on in. I'll do this in the traditional start with number 10 countdown to the top episode of the year. Let's start with number 10. And that is the episode where Laura Lai came on and talked about being what she calls and what the name of her podcast is quietly bohemian. And she and I have had several interesting discussions. We know each other in real life as well. But about the role and how introverts are seen and the expectations and the differences between introverts and extroverts in our society. I really loved what she had to say about growing up as an introvert and how society seems to value extroverts and extroverted traits more. It made me do a lot of introspective reflecting to realize that sometimes when we're 
leaning into that space of playing big, it's because we think we're doing what's expected of an extrovert. And if you are an introvert or a highly sensitive person, this isn't going to feel natural at all. So I want to give her a heartfelt thanks for opening my eyes to this and for sharing deeply about it. Let's listen to one of my favorite clips from that episode. I know you and I have talked about some of the ways that the world expects us all to show up and how the world values extrovertedness, perhaps more than introvertedness. And do you want to give us a lay of the land of how you feel like that impacts people who are introverted and maybe feel like they have to show up a different way? Yeah, thank you for asking that. And this is where the kind of labels do get a little bit difficult to work with and difficult things get conflated because I've personally had a lot of anxiety. I sometimes think around self-doubt and it isn't true that introverts or highly sensitive people necessarily have more self-doubt than extroverts or that extroverts wouldn't experience self-doubt. But for me personally, it's a little bit wrapped up together. But I think you're right that North America and the European kind of world that I live in, I don't think it's necessarily the same in Asia, but it does value extrovert traits. And those are the people, the people who speak up, the people who are more dominant, they do tend to get ahead. And I suppose I'm thinking more in a corporate or a work environment. Sure. There'll be the people who will be recognized for their contributions at work and perhaps the people who get put into leadership positions. And I think it's the messages that we receive that that's how you need to be to get ahead or to give a valuable contribution or thinking about the world of self-employment, particularly like coaching, service-based business and marketing around that. There's a lot of messaging out there that says we need to kind of be very noisy and very visible and kind of putting yourself out there and constantly talking to people and doing things in a specific set way. And it's very, and it can be challenging for people to feel that it's okay to do things their way or to feel that it might be useful to do things their way or that it might actually create results. So it's just supporting people to approach those situations from the inside and what do you want to do and how do you want to be rather than looking outside and saying what do I need to be what do I need to do and coming out from behind a mask or putting on any kind of persona to get approval or to be liked or to feel that that's what you need to do to get ahead. I know I deeply appreciate your explanation of introvertedness or (laughs) again, the labels do kind of fail us. So yeah, because I know I am an outgoing person and um, you've taught me a lot about how other people think and, and how to welcome in someone who is different than myself in a way that hadn't really considered. In the number nine spot is the episode that aired with Dr. Ezie Spencer. And of course, she is the author of Lunar Abundance and the Lunar Abundance workbook, which came out this last year. First of all, Ezie is an outstanding guest because I had pitched her like 18 months prior to her actually getting back to me. Now, if you're a podcaster or you do much pitching, sometimes when you get the maybe later response, you know, uh, these people are never going to get back to me. Ezzy actually wrote back when she was ready to be on the show and then came on. And so the thing that I find myself reflecting on and really loving about this episode so much and, and all of her work 
is the idea is that even in nature, there are these times of both being and doing. And, and she breaks those down as she observes them as phases of the moon, the yin and the yang phases of the moon. And those equate to our own lives of being balanced times of being and doing. So rest and action. And I love that she's noticed this about the world. And I love trying. <laughs> it's all a practice, right? But trying to apply it to my own life and noticing that if there's a time that needs to be a sprint, that then I can also take a time of rest after that. I've also really enjoyed looking at what the yang phases or the action phases are for the entirety of 2020 to see does it line up with times that I actually do feel like I have more energy and want to do more things. And so here is Ezzy talking a little bit about how she got into noticing the moon after being fascinated with it as a child, and then starting to do some life work, having been a former lawyer about unpacking the stuff that's all up in her head and finding the balance that she sees from the moon. Yeah, so I was really, again, just so fascinated at a really young age with the moon. Always had that curiosity about it. When I grew up a bit, I got the grades to go to law school. So there was a bit of a expectation, I suppose, that mm. I would go. And, and I saw law school as the, the ticket for a bright future. And indeed, in, you know, in many ways, it was that. I was really glad that I did go to law school because it helped me to get that left brain activated, I suppose. So yeah. really focusing more on the, the logical, rational mind and the analytical way of thinking and ordering and structuring my thoughts. So I, I, I'm glad that I did that in law school and law school as well ended up directing me towards human rights and social justice. So when I was working in the law, I really became particularly impassioned around working. I worked with Indigenous rights, First Nations peoples in Australia, and, and, and I also worked in domestic violence and, and women's safety. It was, it was really purposeful work, obviously very meaningful work, but in the same way that so many people find when they're in the more traditional kind of profession, you know, even if it's really high meaning work, the hours are very, very long. There's a bit of a, a disconnection from, from one's own body and rhythms and cycles and all of those things. And so I really still felt that though I was, I was doing work that, that I liked, I also felt that there was something elemental missing from my life. And I also was working that line of burnout. That's one of the ways that that manifested yeah. living from the neck up in, in so many ways throughout my 20s was that I was constantly getting sick and I was relying on coffee just to, to get through the, the day, just drinking caffeine and loading up and then drinking wine at night to unwind. And, mm. you know, it's not a very healthy lifestyle. I really was searching inside of myself to try to find better ways of, of, of living so I could live in a more sustainable way. And I did start meditating in my mid-20s and I started seeking in a lot of ways. And one of the ways that I started started to, to make sense of myself and how I was feeling and what my true purpose was, was around connecting back in with the moon cycle, you know, looking up at mm. night and seeing the moon, which of <laughs> course fascinated me as a little girl, but, you know, had, had whispers for my soul as an adult. And I would write in my journal how I was feeling, what was going on for me, yeah. but also I would indicate where the moon was in the sky in relation to which moon phase it was in. And we can get into that more. But what I did find is that there were correlations over time that I noticed between where the moon was in the sky and how I was feeling. 
And that really helped me to slow down. It helped me to connect back in with myself to really, you know, claim and own what it was that I was feeling and what I needed at any one time. And it, and it helped to direct me into uh, a, a different career ultimately as well. Yeah, I ended up doing a PhD in women's well-being after domestic abuse. And one of the, one of the things wow. I found as I was doing the, the doctorate was that I was able to really honour how I was feeling and what I needed. So I found that leaning back and leaning in at different times of the month, because there's different different moon phases within the moon cycle that support more being and doing, you know, that these are the, the different modes of operating in the lunar abundance practice. Mm-hmm. And I found that not only was I able to be a lot more in tune with myself, but also I was a lot more productive at the end of the day. So I was a lot more relaxed and I had a lot more ease and joy and flow in my life, but I wasn't compromising in terms of the the results or the impact you know I still like did my PhD and warp speed and I started the Lunar Abundance business a a global coaching business purely by word of mouth when I was doing my PhD because I was so passionate about what I was finding and discovering you know about the moon cycle so I would talk about it with people and people (laughs) would be like you know can I do like sessions and events and eventually I, I had a course and a program and 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 then I end up working you know I've worked now sort of online and offline thousands and sort of tens of thousands of people through the world through social media and the book lunar abundance and the journal was was born from many many years of of working with women around integrating the the moon cycle practice into their into their life for more creativity and ease and and joy and and flow in the number eight spot is laura sims and of course she is the coach behind your career homecoming I love Laura Sims and her mellowness and her very no-nonsense approach to finding work that feels like home. What I especially love is how she talked about finding that thing in your life that is a fit without it feeling like it is force fit or without it feeling like it's a hustle or a stretch. Because I think so often, and again, this kind of goes back to the theme that's come through all of season five, which is how do we lean into playing small? And how do we own what our own gifts are and let them shine through us in a way that doesn't feel like we're pushing in a way that feels like we're trying to honor somebody else's dream. And I know that happens to a lot of us and we get caught up in the shoulds. And I love how Laura talks about how you can get really focused on the thing that brings you joy and is fulfilling and lights you up and also can be your career. I love what she has to say here in the number eight spot. Yeah, the the title of what I do really speaks to what we're after. It's really a homecoming. You know, sometimes I work with people and they end up doing something that's kind of been in the back of their mind for years, but they've never been able to justify it to themselves or it seemed too crazy. And then after we do all this work, they're like, oh yeah, okay, now I see why this makes sense and that I can actually make a living doing this. And then sometimes people are coming to something that literally has never crossed their mind. Maybe they've never even heard that this thing exists, but either way, there's this sense of ease around it. And not that you don't have to work hard. I'm not saying like kick back and be fabulous and collect, you know, the PayPal receipts, whatever. But, but there's a sense that I don't have to pretend to be something that I'm not. And so when you've got someone like you or Tiffany or a, a business where there's some real substance and there's some real value and you're actually helping people do stuff that matters to them, I don't think you have to be so loud because it's like the truth of that cuts through a lot of the other noise that's out there. Mm-hmm. And 
I want to be a good spokesperson for what I want to do. I want to spread the message. I'm excited about what I do. I'm excited about the transformation that my clients get. And so, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it and I'm excited to go on social media about it. And, and I want the world to know, like, give me a rooftop, but that doesn't mean I have to scream until my throat is raw and be loud and flashy and promise laptops on beaches, like, because it's not about that. Yeah. So I think once you understand the real value of what you're doing to someone else, you can just speak the truth of the message and the right people that have their ears tuned to that are going to hear it. In number seven, it was funny that this one came up again because it's the heart-centered creative process episode. What it's fascinating to me is that the topic that really I feel is at the heart of this episode was also one that I talked about just in episode 260. And that really is about how so many creative people feel like they need to wait for inspiration to show up before they can do their creative thing. And of course, I think that's a load of BS. <laughs> I think the way to do this and the way to honor your own creative spirit and to honor your craft and to honor the thing that you're brought here to do in this world is that you actually set aside time to do the thing and you make it part of a habit and part of your day. And so I, I love that this episode came up as one of your favorites as well. Here at number seven, I'll tell you a little bit more about showing up for your inspiration, honoring your craft and setting aside the time. Let me just address something for a moment that I feel like is a big lie that resistance and who knows what else is trying to tell us. And that is something that goes a little bit like this. Somewhere along the way, I think many of us have been told that creativity and inspiration are somehow that thing that strikes in the middle of the night, that comes out of nowhere, and that we have to honor in like kind of a fit of almost madness or absolute intensity that it comes. And if we don't honor it in that second, that somehow it's going to leave us and then the moment will have passed. One of my big things here is I want for us to stop believing that that is how creativity happens. The idea that creativity only happens in fits of inspiration and that you have to wait until that hits for you to create something is fear talking. It wants to keep you safe. It wants to keep you from doing the thing that is vulnerable and that you're putting yourself out there with. It wants to keep you from, frankly, doing the thing that is your life's purpose because that seems big and scary and hard. And what if you fail? Well, what if? I want to tell you that the way to get through that is to actually sit down and show up and do the work. And I literally mean set aside time on your calendar. There is no one that is creating anything that is not spending time doing it. There is no one that has a successful creative process that is just waiting for inspiration to hit. Because guess what? What do I know about the things that I get done in a day? The things that I do are the things that are on my calendar. If I don't make room and space and time for it in my life, it is not going to happen. And so I want you to dive into this. Once you have hit this stage, it is time to start making the space and the time. Prioritize this. It's already important. You've already said yes. This thing is probably really close and dear to your heart. So do with the honor, do yourself the honor and show up and do the work. There's two things that happen when you do actually set aside time. One is that when it becomes a conscious effort for you from a very practical standpoint, 
and speaking from podcasting, it's not something that can be done in a rushed effort. I am never happy with what comes out when I wait till the last minute to do an episode. Yes, every once in a while, there's a good one, (laughs) but that's not really how it works. Everything about podcasting takes time. And so I'm honoring this thing that I do by showing up and doing it weekly and setting aside time for it. I'm honoring the craft. From a co-creation perspective, something happens when you say yes to the work and show up consistently to do it. It's an alignment thing. When you say yes and do the work, creativity kind of in that inspiration way sees it and it shows up too. If you're not setting aside the time, you're not really giving it it its own space to show up and help you either. It's really no surprise either that then the number six spot is the episode that featured author Fred Waitskin, and he is best known for his work in writing the book Finding Bobby Fisher. That is all about his son, who is a chess prodigy. He's more recently written some great books. And this, the one that he most recently wrote is Stillwater Blues. I really loved having him on the show because as you probably know, one of the things I also love to talk about is the creative process. We just heard about it back in number seven. I loved that Fred talked about what he calls getting in the bubble of creativity. This goes hand in hand exactly with what I was saying in number seven. And that is that you have to fiercely protect your own creative space and treat it like once you're in the process for him of writing a book, you have to fiercely protect that sacred space so that you can create the thing that you're being drawn to create. He calls that getting in the bubble. And here he is describing it in his own words. And I have a sense of that thing in that space. I think you call it in the bubble. Is that what you call what other authors might call in the zone or wherever that that space is that it, it's flowing for you? Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's interesting that you mentioned that. Yes, it's definitely connected. It's a kind of a parallel idea. When, when things are really going well for me in my writing, if I'm working on a book or even an essay, and I have a sense for it, and I've got my arms around it, and I'm inspired, I think of myself as being inside the bubble. And it's a very protected place. It's a very special place, and a writer has to be very protective of himself if he's inside that bubble. He has to really kind of like, Cultivate it like cultivating a garden and be, and be gentle with it and try to remain inside that bubble as long as you can. Because if, if you're in the bubble, again, you're in that pre-analytic place that I was talking about a few minutes ago yeah. where, where you have a general idea of what you want to say, but it's just coming. It's coming from a deep place. Then what happens very often is that the world gets in the way of writing. You get a phone call or worse than that, you have to leave town for a week. And then you come back to your office try to enter the story and you notice you're not in the bubble anymore. You're outside the bubble and it can be, it can be held to get right back in again. It's a, it's a very special place to be in. And for a writer, you have to, you have to be very self-protective. You have to be almost fierce. You know, when you're working well in your work, you don't want to take any interruptions. You don't want to be bothered. You don't want to go on vacations. You don't want to do anything. Just want to do that work as long as you're in that sacred place. It's really no surprise to me that in the number five spot is the episode where Mallory Weissong and I talked about the six most joyful things that we experienced when we went to the She Podcast Conference, which was in Atlanta, Georgia in October of 2019. Now, it was the first one that She Podcast had done, the first conference they'd done. And it was really exciting to be a speaker there and to get to participate in the entire event. And I loved the intentionality with which Elsie Escobar, who's also been on the show, and Jessica Kupferman 
set for what they wanted this conference to be. So Mallory and I, who has been my VA, and I want to give a huge shout out to her here and say she has gone on to launch her own business and is working on that now. And we've gone our separate ways. And I also want to make sure that in this episode, I give her a very special thank you and a hat tip because the last few years have been so joy filled with her on board. It was really beautiful to be able to look back at us being at this conference together. Thank you, Mallory, so much for everything you've done for the show. I really love how we talk about people leaning into who they really authentically are and how so many women are out there and sharing their own vulnerable story on a podcast and how it really can change the world. And so here we are. Jess, in her opening speech this morning, was talking about how in a room of 700 women, no one seems to be wearing a mask. And I know the women listening to this understand what we mean by mask, but it's when you present yourself as something that isn't really all of who you are. And everyone here has been made to feel, from my perspective, it seems like everyone here has been made to feel like this is a safe space and it is okay to show up exactly how you are and be your weird, crazy, chatty, laughy self, like whoever that is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like they've really set it up to be in support of that too. Our keynote was with Kirsten, is it Meitzner? Mm -hmm. And she wrote, or she's the host of By the Book and a bunch of other shows. And she really shared authentically things that maybe as, well, I'll just even go with I statements here. I know as a little kid, I was told often that I shared too much and that I should stop sharing some of the secrets. And some of that I think is in, in good taste, right? Like I still, I don't talk about how much I make. I don't talk about how much my house costs like this is not a comfort zone right but i think there's some things that are about our story and that feel like maybe they're even family secrets that maybe we just need to put out there because there's a connection point back to the magic of connection and number yeah. one where when we drop the mask and let go of feeling like there may be shame or there may be a reason we don't want to share that thing then we can be in this space of altruism and receiving and connection because like we know that we've had shared experiences. And I think that's really the beauty of what they have set up here about dropping the mask and showing up in an authentic space. It's actually making me think about the ecosystem as well, because when you feel safe to drop the mask, you're actually giving someone else permission to drop their mask as well. And that's what's happening. There's this building. I feel like probably by Sunday, we're all going to be so ourselves that we won't recognize ourselves because we're not used to just being. So, yes, really I got exciting. I know. <laughs> I cannot wait. And I also feel this is off script. Sorry. But I also feel like there's such a sense of momentum here. Of yes. There are 700 people mm -hmm. who are stepping into their freaking voice. Yes. They're being told and being shown and it's going to be a re repetition of things that they are so worthy and they are so loved and they're here for a purpose and that we are all stepping into our own spark of divinity when we start to share our story that like the ripple effect of 700 women stepping into some version of that and then sharing it it's like big Jennifer Loudon. Oh my goodness. It was such a delight to have Jennifer Loudon on the show. She was in episode 216 and she was talking about her book that came out in the last year, which is called Why Bother? 
And as you probably know, if you're a, a listener from a while back, I really like to ask this question of what advice would you give someone if they have a big dream that they want to bring into the world? And Jennifer Loudon and her answer to this really put into a nutshell so much of what I was thinking about, which has also kind of evolved into this idea of playing small, of being who you are, of bringing your own authentic voice into the world and not worrying about like, is it big or is it small? And I'm just going to let her say it to you in her very own words. Here we go. Are there any words of advice that you might have for someone who wants to bring a big dream into action? Oh, forget the big part. Mm. <laughs> away right now, it's none of your business. You have no idea what size it's going to be. Don't look at the big picture. Every now and then you do need to step back and look and, you, and how are the pieces coming together and do they fit? But I, I, I think the place to start is why do you want to do this? Why do you want to bother about this? Why do you want to put the time and energy and, and learning into it. Like really name that for yourself. Mm -hmm. and for whom is this? Like who is this going to go into the world for? And why should they bother? And name that for yourself. Those are the two most important things I always help people with before they start a book. In the number three spot is one of the three joyful things episodes, which was a series that I ran where I was doing two episodes in a week just to see what happened. I loved reflecting on some of the things that were coming up in the week, and it was a lot of fun to be able to do that series. So coming in at number three was episode 219, and it's all about the idea of right-sizing change in your life and transformation in your life. I can also see now, looking back, how it really closely ties into some of the themes of playing small, which is make sure that the thing that you're doing is the right fit for your life and who you are. And it was really fun in that episode to look back at one of the conversations I'd had with Marla Silly, who is the fly lady, and how she talked about how her approach to cleaning and decluttering is so very different than that of Marie Kondo or the art of tidying up. And so I, you'll hear how playing small fits in this little clip as well. The thing that I love so much about what she said in this last interview was we started to talk about the Marie Kondo method of decluttering and cleaning out your closet. The thing that Marla said that stood out to me so amazingly was she talked about how Marie, you know, her her way of doing it is that you take everything out of your closet and put it on your bed and then go through all of it. <laughs> and Marla said, oh no, that would never work for the people in my program because they would immediately get so overwhelmed that they would stop dead in their tracks and not move any further. And what, so here's the inspiration for this week's aha moment is really that Marla fully understood kind of the limitations of what people in her program are capable of doing and hurts her intention of making these things so that they are doable for the person that is doing them. So while Marie Kondo's method is beautiful and aspirational and amazing, it may not fit into your life. And what I love, and here's the inspiration for this week, is to right-size the thing that you are doing and the thing that you want to achieve to fit your life so that you feel great about doing it. So 
the inspiration there is to right size the way that you approach something so that it fits your life. The intention is to really mindfully look at that thing that you want to change and decide how you want to make that change. So even though the idea in Marie Kondo's book of holding each thing in your hand and deciding if it sparks joy might be really the thing that you want to tackle and you do want to clean your closet, the intention here might be you know that you're going to get overwhelmed when you pull everything out. So you set the intention to complete the task but to do it in a way that fits for you. So I might, if I wanted to go do this, decide I'm going to look at five things a day, look at each one, decide if it sparks joy, and put the ones that don't into a donation pile. The action for you guys this week is to make a plan. So take the thing that you want to do and then make a plan around it using baby steps that let you accomplish the thing in the way that works for you in your life. Notice where you might feel that overwhelm is coming up and find another way to do it. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, as Marla says, but make it fit for you. Okay, now we're at the number two spot, and that is the episode with Annabelle Bender, and she is a happiness coach. And of course, that delights me to no end. And what I really loved about what Annabelle and I talked about was how people find their own happiness and how your own definition of happiness is going to be so different than everybody else's. And I just love the freedom and the permission and the joy that's involved with embracing what lights you up instead of letting somebody else define it. Actually, I didn't know about it as well mm -hmm. uh, until a couple of years ago. And I was doing my holistic health studies and I met someone who was a holistic nutritionist. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, I'm a nutritionist and I'm a happiness coach. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> what is that? I want that title. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. what exactly what I was thinking. Like, what the heck is happiness coach? And so I did my research and then I contacted her because I couldn't find anything. Yeah. And I asked her like, wh where do you get this happiness coach thing? Right. <laughs> and then she told me that there's an online course that, where you can do happiness coaching. So I went on this happiness coaching course and I thought, you know, that happiness coaching would mean like, okay, I'm going to tell everyone to be happy and I'm going to teach how they can all be happy. But actually the, the whole happiness coaching thing was all about limiting beliefs mm. and how much we actually are hiding our happiness under so many layers of limiting beliefs of uh, that we grew up with. And it's, so important to really know your core and what makes you personally happy, what happiness actually means to you personally, because it means something else for everyone. Yes. <laughs> so true. <laughs> it's so true. Oh my goodness. Right? Like happiness might mean for someone to be on the beach the whole day when others just hate being at the beach the whole day. And because we we live today in in a society that is so loud and it's there there's so much noise around us we we get 
like drawn into that noise and we don't really know anymore what makes us happy. Right. We think that because we see this on Instagram and we read about this in the newspaper that this is something that's going to make us happy when actually maybe something completely else is driving our happiness. Yeah. And in the number one spot, oh my goodness, is the first episode from season five. And that was the interview with Oren J. Sofer. And he is a mindfulness expert and he had written a book recently about how you can approach nonviolent communication. Looking back, really mindfulness was a great way to start the season. My word of the year has been foundation. And there was so much to glean from this episode with Orin J. Sofer that I'm not surprised that it's in the number one spot. What I really loved is that he and I talked about how you were always in choice. And of course, that's really closely tied to what I consider the cornerstone quote for this podcast itself, which is all about joy is a choice and we must keep choosing it. And so the idea that we are always in choice, we can always choose to have a mindful approach to something. And but especially in relationships, we can make a decision about what our reaction is. And if we're going to choose to meet something with grace or meet something with defensiveness. And I really feel like this is so key to so many of the things that we're seeing unfold in our world right now, that it is both a joy and, and an inspiration that this was the most listened to episode for season five. Um, well, activation can can happen at, at, you know, that's kind of just sort of how our nervous system works. Um, <laughs> yeah. And presence or mindful awareness is uh, going to be what 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 uh, lets us notice or be aware that activation is happening? Right. So, so what you're pointing to, Paul, is the the next step that I was <laughs> okay, going to gonna share. Yeah, <laughs> I was no, going to say, totally, please continue. Yeah. yeah, we're totally in tune here. So, awesome. um, so you talked about whether it's a colleague or a relative or our, our you know our spouse or kid or loved one. Yeah. Um, sometimes we come to the moment with a certain expectation and they're saying something or doing something and we're receiving it in a way that's not intended because we're, we're reacting based on something from the past. That's a filter or, um, or uh, that we're carrying mm -hmm. the beauty and the power of mindfulness and presence is that it doesn't mean being calm and grounded and, you know, sort of, this fiction of a perfect person all of the time, not at all. What it means is that we're aware and connected to whatever is happening. So in the, in the moment of having that reaction um, where we get, we get triggered. And so I'm just, I was just thinking of um, uh, one of the things that my partner uh, and I are working on right now, um, you know, she lives from her heart. She's a, she's a chaplain. She works in a hospital. She's meeting mm. people who are, you know, seriously ill, families in crisis every day. And she, she's, she just, her way of relating and connecting to the world is through the heart. That's, yeah. why I that's why I love her. And I have that capacity. I feel my heart. But it's not where I, it's not my default. Mm -hmm. My default, for whatever reasons, nature, nurture, is, is the intellect and my body. Yeah. And so one of the things we're working on is uh, 
meeting her needs for connection and intimacy more regularly so that I'm kind of dropping into that space of being in the heart more and she feels more seen and connected. So sometimes what happens is when she's not feeling that experience that she wants and she lets me know because it's painful for her, sometimes it comes out with a little bit of reactivity or frustration or, or blame or anger. Not, not overt, but that sense of like, Oren, you're doing it wrong, kind of. <laughs> you know, like, yes. how come you're not here with me? Where are you, right? Right. So, yes. um, so in my better moments, I'm able to just hear that and go like, oh, sweetie, you, okay, yeah, you really, want, you really want to be connected. Sure, and I can shift. Mm-hmm. But of course, sometimes that hurts for me. And so I carry a little bit of reactivity around that. So the other day, you know, last night, we went out, we had a meal, and we went to see a movie. And um, at one point, she you know, expressed that desire for connection. And she wasn't feeling angry or reactive at all, but that's how I heard it. Mm-hmm. There was because I was kind of primed to expect it and feel a little defensive. Um, but what what the practice of mindfulness does is, as that reaction came up, um, I missed that moment. I didn't catch it right away. My response was a little bit sort of um, bris- bristly. I don't even remember what I said, but there was a little defensiveness there. And and she was present enough to kind of not take the bait and not get mm-hmm. reactive. And, you know, she just kind of looked at me and, and said, like, you know, I, I'm not upset. And in that moment, I was then able with awareness, with presence, to just feel the reaction. Right. To be aware of it, hold it with, with, uh, with mindfulness, feel it in my body. And then it's not, it's no longer running the show. Right. And that's the power of practicing with presence. So the first, the sort of whole framework of my communication method that I teach, the first foundation is learning how to lead with presence. Right. And, that, and that's that sense of being really aware and connected to ourselves, so that whatever's happening, whether we're anxious, defensive, um, scared, vulnerable, mm-hmm. we, can, we can still be authentic we can have that experience without letting it determine how we respond or engage. And, and the, the core principle here, this is the, the last thing I'll say, mm-hmm. is um, that the more aware we are in our life and our relationships, the more choice we have. Right. When yeah. we know what's going on, we can start to navigate, steer, and make, make different choices. And so that's one of, the, one of the main things presence does for us. So there you have it. Thank you all so very much for tuning in for this past season and tuning into this episode. It's really a delight to have gotten to speak with each of these people. Thank you all for being on the show. In addition to needing an audience for podcasts, you also need guests if you have an interview show. It's such a delight to have gotten to meet each of the people that have been in the last season and on the show altogether. I really feel that each of them adds something different and new to my life and and brings a new perspective. And for that, I'm so deeply grateful. I also want to give a shout out to the folks that took Jumpstart Your Podcast this last season. There are still several shows that are in the works and I can't wait for you all to hear them. 
this group has been truly amazing. And if you haven't yet listened to 40 Minutes of Faith by Barbara Cox, I was on her show in just the last week. Uh, That was one of the shows that came out of that class as well. So this is it for season five. We're going to do some look back episodes now for the next couple of weeks as I gather together some new interviews and get the <laughs> get the wheels back on the bus so that we can start out for season six in style. I can't wait to talk to you more about playing small, about looking for joy and making it a choice in your life, and also about how you can find joy in the messy middle, because that's so definitely where we are right now as a world. So thank you guys so much for making the time each week to tune in. And I hope you'll come on back next week as we start those look back episodes. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. If you want to find out more about this episode, including links to the things that we've talked about, you can find the show notes at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And you can search for this episode right up there in the right-hand corner of the website. You'll find it. While you're on the website, I know you're going to want to sign up for my weekly newsletter, which is Three Joyful Things. It's where I take a look and give you guys the behind the scenes of what I'm really thinking about with each episode, including inspiration, intention, and action, along with the choices that you can make in your own life to bring some of the things that each guest or I share into your everyday life. So it's a lot of fun. You can find the sign up for that off the homepage or within the show notes of every episode. And I would love to connect with you. I hang out a ton on Instagram where my handle is jumpstartyourjoy. You can also find the Facebook page for this podcast at jumpstartyourjoy. So I hope you guys will come on back next week. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.